Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no hollow, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. It's creepy every time. Every time. I get I the like, chills. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Gets me ready. I hear new things in that little intro that I didn't hear the, the previous time. I, I see like a, there's some guy that kind of like looks, uh, you see him like looking down and I'm like, is is that Dan? <laughs> and it gets me just enough. <laughs> I'm like, it's not. And then, ah. Hopefully that uh, ancient Sumerian demonic protection spell works again today. Uh, yeah. I mm-hmm. felt protected last week, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I was definitely dreaming of aliens. Yeah. I definitely had a few moments of like, what was that sound? <laughs> it's coming for me through the fucking windows. Hey, I, no, I, w- I was spooked out uh, as well. Uh, just, yeah. Definitely definitely had some moments uh, with the, the power outage is what freaked me out. Oh, where yeah. <laughs> we, we did all that creepy stuff, and then we had like a six, seven hour power outage. Uh-huh. And then specific, mirrors always mess with me, no matter what the scary tale is. Oh. That was in my head. Last week's stories were in my head when, because uh, I was like, well, if an alien, you know, was going to abduct us. Now would be the time. Now would be the time when the power's out everywhere. I'm laughing because I found it particularly fun to kind of harass you. It was mm-hmm. dark and I was like. Oh, yeah, and I did not like it. <laughs> Because <laughs> you kept like going it. on and on about like, I'm like well, I don't know if this was the time. Like I don't know. Like nobody would be able to see us. Nobody would be able to hear us. It'd be so terrible. Right. You were talking about how demons were going to show up. You know that you can't turn the light on. And, yeah, you and can't show like, and There's, show them. Mm-hmm. Make them disappear. And that thought was in my head right as I got ready for bed. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Scared to Death. Hey y'all. Yeah, I'm Dan Cummins. Uh, uh, this is my co-host and wife Lindsay. Hey. And uh, yeah, we're hoping to to scare you as well. I'm trying to scare Lindsay every week with two true tales of horror claimed Yikes. by people to be true. Ugh. I think I'm going to end up scaring myself as much or more than Lindsay. I have some thoughts about uh, you know this, the research I did for this one that scared me. I'll share at the end of the show. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm, really freaked myself. I had a really weird experience. Uh oh. Mm-hmm, with the second story. Of, of today's two stories. Cool, great. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you wanted to acknowledge that we're, yeah, we're going to get in quicker today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I know our first episode was, uh, it was a long time before we got into the story because we just wanted to clarify a few things, but I particularly hate when I listen to a podcast and they're just talking for 10 minutes. I get a few minutes right. at the top, so I want to 
acknowledge that and just say like, let's fucking dive right in. I'm, I've got my uh, cozy unicorn socks on and I've got my blanket that I like to hide behind. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like a cloak of protection. Sure, sure. Makes I get me feel better. That's like that makes sense. Like at night when you're scared, you know, you pull the covers. Can I mean, I mean, who when they get scared at night just takes the covers and pushes them down and just lays like, nah, I'm just gonna lay without the covers. There's that weird thing. Someone who's braver than we are. Well, I've done that ever since a kid. You know, when you when you get scared and you're in bed, it's just instinctive to it's, pull yeah, the is. covers up a little higher. Maybe go all the way underneath the covers. I go all the way under with both of our dogs. <laughs> uh, you know, then one movie though ruined that for me, and I believe it was called The Others. It was a Nicole Kidman horror movie. I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of my ass right now. I can't remember the exact title, but there was a scene where she is under somebody in that movie is under a sheet. Fuck. Where they're supposed can to be you, safe. Can you not ruin it for me? And then that's where the evil thing shows Stop up it. with them under Stop. the sheet. Right. So now every nah, time, nah, 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 every time I'm in bed and I try to pull the covers, I, I think like, yeah, well now the thing's just going to be inside with me. Cool. Cool. So that's fun. That's fun. Well. Okay. Scare me. I dare you to. Well, I got I got two stories in the evil book, in the evil scared to death book. Today we're going to talk about one man's encounter with the black-eyed children. I don't know what the fuck that is, but it already sounds scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will first explain what black-eyed children are, and then we're going to go into uh, that tale. And then we're going to look into a possibly very, very, very haunted house in Missouri. I'm guessing the black-eyed children are not related to the black-eyed peas. No. Okay, cool. No, no relation whatsoever. Okay, just checking. Very, very different. <laughs> Yeah, you, the, the haunted house of Union, Missouri is what we'll be exploring in the second story. Cool. And that, that tale is the one that really stuck in my brain and, and messed with me later. Awesome. Okay. <laughs> so before I tell a story about an encounter with one of the black-eyed children, I should probably explain like what black-eyed children are supposed to be. Uh, people have been claiming to see supposedly paranormal creatures with pale skin, completely black eyes, entities usually spotted on the side of the road, uh, either panhandling or hitchhiking, trying to get your attention, often in desolate locations usually late at night, not always late at night, but often, uh, and they often show up on doorsteps. That's when they're most uh. often seen, is showing up at your, at your door. <laughs> it's not okay. This has been happening since 1996. They resemble children, anywhere from around 6 to 16 years of age. Uh, reports of encounters with these creatures, and there are so, so many reports, uh, say that they always appear as pale-skinned children. They always have jet black eyes. And while reports of attacks are extremely rare, everyone who encounters whatever the hell these things might be experience a profound sense of dread and danger. They feel threatened. Sometimes the black-eyed children appear alone. Generally, they show up as a pair. While they look like kids, they don't talk like kids. Speak like an adult, often possess the voice of an adult. They also seem to possess a type of almost hypnotic power. People generally feel compelled to want to listen to them, uh, obey their commands, and, and often, uh, you know, want to let them in the house, even though that they know they shouldn't because they're terribly afraid of them. Some ufologists think that they're lost extraterrestrials trying to get back home. Back to the aliens that fucking terrify me. Yeah, so a lot of people cool. think they're, they're aliens. Some cryptozoologists think they're some sort of vampire. Certain ghost hunters think that, of course, they're ghosts. Some demonologists believe these creatures are children of the devil himself. And if you're visited by one and let them inside your home, then you have let the devil into your life. Awesome. So kick all the kids That's out. That's the lore. That is all the right. lore of, of the, the black-eyed children. So now that we know what these things might be, I'd like to tell you the tale of one man's encounter with some of these creatures. This tale was sent in by someone who only identified himself as Keith W. And this tale was put in a, in a 2017 book called True Hauntings by Joseph Exton. Are you ready? I don't feel like I have a choice. I'm not ready, but okay. We're going to go forward. Time now for a tale of the black-eyed children. 
Several years ago, on a hot summer afternoon, a man named Keith headed outside to mow his lawn. Between his lawn and the road in front of his house, he had some bushes, some flowers. And on this day, he noticed that someone had walked all over a bunch of his roses and he wasn't happy about it. I get it. The next day, he sees two kids who looked around 14, 15 years old, walking down the road in front of his home. He lived far from town, only has a few neighbors, and lived that lived along the same desolate stretch of road, and he knew all of them. And he knew immediately that these two kids were not from the area. Uh-oh. Also knows uh, it's rare for anyone not from the neighborhood to be walking around in front of his property. It's not a uh, an, an area or a neighborhood where people are commonly just kind of walking around because it is a ways outside of town. So two creepy kids you've never seen before. Right, show up right after these rose bushes have been kind of walked all over. So now you're pissed at them. Exactly. Keith, who I assume is retired, spending a lot of time at the house, caring about things around his house like only the retired generally seem to have time to do. True. Still upset about the roses. And since he's never had any neighbors walk through his flower beds, again, now seeing these two teens, he assumes they must have been the people who did it. And he decides to head out and talk to them. But then just as he makes it to his bedroom where he'd walk to grab his shoes to go outside he suddenly and inexplicably feels very afraid. Just randomly very afraid. This is late in the afternoon. Call it instinct, call it intuition, call it a sudden unexplainable onset of paranoia. Something inside tells him, do not confront these kids. So don't do it. Don't do it. Listen to your gut. That would be a very bad idea, right? So he doesn't. Oh, good. He tells himself, just let it slide. They're only kids after all. And then when Keith walks back over into the living room and walks over to the living room window to, uh, to check on these kids... Yep, they stop abruptly in their walk down the street right in front of the house, right directly in front of his home. They both simultaneously turn, stare at him through the window. I saw this coming. Both are saying nothing. They don't behave in any threatening manner, but Keith feels threatened all the same. He looks around to see if any other neighbors are outside. He sees no one. No one's around. It's only him and these two strange teens. Fuck. They're standing about 100 feet away. And they just continue to stand there, not moving at all, staring at him through the window. Technically, they're not doing anything wrong, but it bothers Keith all the same. I don't like it. After several uncomfortable moments, Keith starts to feel embarrassed about letting a few kids intimidate him. Kids who haven't said a word to him. Kids who, you know, may not even have walked through his rose bushes. He decides to go outside and talk no, to them. No, Keith, why? He goes back to the Fucking room. idiot grabs his shoes. This time, after he puts his shoes on, returns to the living room, peeks out the window to make sure the two kids are still standing and staring at his home, they're gone. Oh, I thought they were going to be at the door. Kids are gone. All this is happening as the sun begins to set and it's starting to get dark out now. As Keith scans the neighborhood from his window, the power starts to flicker on and off. Which, according to Keith, had never happened to him before in that house. Of course not. Roughly 20 minutes later, in the midst of continued electrical interruptions, Keith hears a strange knocking sound on the front door. I knew it. I told you they were coming. And it's a hard-to-define sound. Not a sound you'd expect from a normal visitor. Ominous somehow. It's like somehow as if human fists aren't doing the knocking. It just, it just feels off. It doesn't feel like a normal knock on the door. Get your gun, Keith. Keith walks over to the door. Very, uh, yeah, good, good guess on that. Keith walks over to the door, turns on his porch light. Then he peers through the little eye hole to examine the source of the knocking. He sees nothing. No one's there. Even more disturbing, his porch light suddenly goes out. (gasps) Power is currently returned to the rest of the home, but he can't illuminate his porch. Even stranger, the light from inside his house doesn't seem to spill out onto the porch. (gasps) Something's weird with the darkness of the porch. Creating like a weird... Like this black hole. 
His front porch has suddenly become unnaturally dark. And again, he feels terrified. To use his words, he feels extremely terrified. And while he can't see anyone on his far too dark front porch, he can feel something out there. Just go to bed. He knows someone or something is waiting for him. He tries not to let the fear slip into his voice as he asks, who's there? Oh my God, why would you do that? A strange kid's voice responds, a kind of kid's voice, a voice somehow also adult-like. Sorry to bother you, but we are lost and need to borrow your phone. No, you're not. Keith looks back through the eye hole. Although his light still won't come on, the darkness has lifted a bit, and he sees one of the kids he spotted in front of the house earlier that evening. And the kid, now in a demanding, somehow not quite human voice, yells, Let me in right now! No! And when Keith does not let them in, Smart. Both kids start to violently bang on the door. Whatever, ignore it. Keith would later say, I'm not talking about just hitting it, but it was like something very big and wide was smashing against my door. Frightened, Keith yells for the kids to stop and says, I got a gun. And if you try anything, I will shoot you. And the first kid just screams back, let me in now. (sighs) You're making a mistake. Oh, no, you're not. Don't let him in. Don't let him in. This freaks out Keith enough to go find his shotgun. He grabs it, returns to the door, puts his hand on the lock, unlocks it, no, opens up the door. No, no, He is now facing these two kids, standing only a few feet in front of them, and this is when he notices their eyes for the first time. Oh, fuck, Keith. Pitch black. And he also thinks for the first time, these things are not kids. Get yeah, close the door. They are something else. Fucking close the door, Keith. A new wave of paralyzing fear sweeps over him. He lets the shotgun he's holding fall limp to his side. For some reason, he suddenly feels compelled to let them in. Oh no, it's because they possessed him. Keith said the door to his home hadn't been opened for more than 10 seconds when the taller of the two kids started to move forward and was about to walk through it. And then he he snaps out of whatever spell he was under and suddenly kicks the door shut and locks it. And that's when the black-eyed children start to scream. He hears them both crying and screaming in a strange, alien, and extremely loud, distorted, high-pitched wail, followed by more powerful banging on the door. Afraid his back door might not be locked, Keith suddenly <gasps> runs through the oh house to check it. Reassured that it is locked, shotgun still in hand, he runs back to the front door. Just before making it to the door, the banging and wailing suddenly and abruptly stop, and his home is eerily silent. He makes sure his shotgun is loaded, opens the door, expecting no, to see the, the black-eyed children... They vanished. I don't care. Why would you open that fucking door again? He then hears some fast approaching footsteps. Yeah? It's his next door neighbor running towards him. His neighbor told him he heard some strange, weird screams, came by to see what the hell was happening. Keith let his neighbor inside his home, told him everything that had just happened. The neighbor told him to call the cops, but Keith never did. He knew knew they wouldn't believe him. And as far as we know, the black-eyed kids never visited him again, or maybe they did. Maybe Uh they came back and took him. Maybe they killed him. Maybe they did something even worse. We have no idea who Keith is, where he lives, or if he's still alive today. Yeah, because when the neighbor came over and he had to open the door to let the neighbor in, those little fuckers could have snuck in. Right. You don't even know. Right, you don't. Because it sounds like they transition from being visible to not visible. Because if they right, if right. they were able to like create sort of like a vortex on the front porch where they could you couldn't see them and then all of a right. sudden they were there, yeah, who knows? Let's... Fuck, I did not like that, especially because of like where we live. Oh man, people do walk down the street, even though it's like oh. a, a busier street, sure. right? It's a thoroughfare that connects you to other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
I immediately thought of this one transient dude that I oh, remember yeah. seeing like when we very first moved in and our old neighbor, Sherry, across the street, they moved. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, that guy's totally harmless. It's completely fine. Like, everyone's seen him in this neighborhood for ages. Right. Like, I think that he might live in like um, like a halfway house kind of thing or like whatever. But he like walks down to the lake past our yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fuck me. Every time I see him and I'm home alone, immediately I grab a knife. Wow, yeah. He, like, he fucking freaks me out. Yeah, I get it. He's fine, but he just kind of well, looks... Oh, we think he's fine. We don't know him. He looks fucking dead in the eyes. He yeah, he might like not a, be fine. Yeah, and he always has like a sack full of stuff. Yeah, weird. Sometimes he has a shovel, too. Creepy. He's burying bodies. Fucking creepy. Maybe he's maybe he's like a a, a, go- a ghoul who works on behalf of the black-eyed children. Possibly. Like, they kill people, and then fucking creepy hobo guy buries Ooh, the bodies. I did not like that. Also... Like, kids do come to our door and sell stuff. That's still a thing. I know. And some kids are creepy. They're fucking creepy. Like, I if, mean, if people we- always say like, this weird thing with, like, um, kids and adults. It's like, you know, we'll say that adults are evil. We'll say that adults are horrible. But a lot of people are very hesitant to say that about kids. But what? Like, so some magic flip gets switched when somebody turns 18. They can legally vote and now legally be evil. <laughs> it's like, no. They can be <laughs> evil when they're kids, too. And yeah. I have met kids who creep me the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about our kids' classrooms mm-hmm. and various kids. And future sociopath, future, yep. Yeah, there are some kids that you're like. Going to be in prison for most of his life. There's one kid that I think about in our daughter's class, and I'm like, oh. Oh. For sure. Prison in his future. Prison, probably for rape. Like, oh he God. just got, he has that, like. Yeah. And, like, the things that I hear that he says to other girls, I'm like, oh. Oh, God, what's going on in that kid's house? What's going on what's in his going genetic, on? genetic pool? Yeah. She's got some litter in the genetic pool. Yeah. Or just nature versus nurture. I mean, I think some of that just can't yeah. be helped. Well, okay. Let's, let's, some people are born evil. I want to show you. This This is an, uh, uh, a depiction of what ah! they're supposed to look like, right? Sorry for <laughs> screaming in your ears. What if those kids showed up at your house? Excuse me. Would you like to buy some candy? It's a fundraiser for school. No, That's thank what I'm you. thinking. That, I don't know why, but that little girl freaks me out the fucking most. She's like, she's like the little ringleader. Oh. So yeah, very creepy depiction. Now here, here's another picture of some black-eyed children. Oh, oh this is that. Yeah, just the one. Yeah, I mean, wow. Can you imagine is if that like real? Th- it's, it's depictions. I mean, there's been no, no, there's been no photo so that looks far. Looks like a fucking cell phone selfie. Right, right, and it probably was. And this is just you know what people are manipulating photographs. Thinking that this is what a black-eyed child. I, that, some that of these photos on the web, legit. yeah. Some of these photos are, are people claiming them to be pictures of them. Uh, I mean, I think they're just you know more like depictions. Uh, this this next picture is real. Oh, what's wrong with her? <laughs> now that is not a black-eyed children, but I just that came up when I saw, and I remember when this. Uh, I've talked about this photo before, just in life in general. Who the fuck is that? I, I have her name. This is for. Uh, Oh my gosh! It is a it's a mugshot of a 24 year old at the time of the arrest in 2017 in April, Morgan Joyce Varn. She was arrested for armed robbery and a few other charges, and she had her her eyes tattooed black. Her actual eyeballs. Mm-hmm. How can you do that? I know you can do it. I mean, I don't know how the procedure works, but I've seen a few other photos. But you can have ink what? put into the white of your eyes, and so she had that done. There is no more white to her eyes. Her eyes are all black. Oh my god! It's terrifying. Self mutilation. Right, right. Somebody and I'm, and I'm a fan therapy. of ink. You know, I'm a fan of like oh, yeah. tattoos and stuff. But man, that's just that's just such a commitment. 
where you you just I mean you're a fool to do that if you don't think it's going to freak people the fuck out for the rest of your life when well, they see you. Look at her face; she wants to freak people out. Oh, She's she got does. She got like tattoos. occult tattoos on her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some uh, occulty tattoos on her neck, and then black eyes. The bummer so is a scary. Look, she's 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 pretty. Yeah, when you look at her face, I'm like, gosh, she's got. I mean, beautiful she's scowling. Bone. Yeah, but she's got beautiful bone structure, yeah. nice lips, like a n- nice symmetrical face. Right. Based on her face, she looks like she's in good shape. Yeah. She's gonna, you know, shake shake things up when she shows up at the PTA meeting. I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that she just looked like a porn star turned drug addict. Oh, daddy issues. Mm, maybe, maybe, likely, probably. So, so you'd never heard of a black black eyed children before this? No, I mean, I, you know, I when you first started talking about it, immediately it was like, oh, okay, The Shining. Like, I definitely right. had some references pop up in my head where I thought, like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I didn't know anything other than sorry i'm fumbling here i was thinking they were i was thinking they were totally made up for horror movies i didn't, oh, I didn't think right. that you it think had any claiming... basis in truth yeah i mean like you know like yeah all, yeah all, like all these things you know it's just what people claim and of course you know for any of the stories we we tell here there's going to be people who are going to be like no it started on this creepy pasta or whatever you can do that but you know, regardless, a lot of people, a lot of different people are saying that they've seen black eyed children. Well, yeah, you from said, all like, over the, a lot. There's a lot evil. of there's a lot of stories online of various encounters. There's you know a variety of books that right. are just you know uh, you know which is where I got that story. You know, one of the several books that are out there about a variety of encounters. Yeah, and like I always am going to say on this show, just one, just one has right, to be only right. One has to be true. All of them could be liars except for one, and then it's terrifying. Uh, I'm already terrified. Just, I'm just thinking just about waiting like, for one of these to show up at your door. Well, yeah, I'm just thinking about like our front door is incredibly accessible. Yeah, uh, it's not like I live like in an apartment complex where there's other door options. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't so, even know. I, just, I don't even know how you would do this. It's pro- but I so fuck wanna, you. I, I already know where your brain is going. <laughs> I so want to hire two little kids, like at midnight, just to because sh- just to make it even weirder. Because like, why are kids out at midnight? No parents to show up, knock nah. your door. Black, oh, yeah, those kids. Uh, I would be, fr- I would be so freaked out if those kids showed up at my door at midnight. I'm gonna pay. Oh, oh God. so scared. The next time that you are touring with Doug Mellard, mm-hmm. he's who I'm gonna get to do it. Uh, I'm gonna get him some black gonna, contacts. Well, if, I, well, if it's Doug, I'll know it's Doug. Doug's a weirdo. No, I mean, you have, have to, you have to pay Doug to pay some kids. No. Which then, then if Doug gets in trouble for you know trying to fuck Doug. <laughs> trying to hijack kids into being <laughs> scary minstrels and some weird oh thing we're doing. Oh my god, maybe I can play like a hotel employee. <laughs> maybe. Just, just some rando. Let's scare the shit out of me. What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers? A candle? Some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one-upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura Frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze. But one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura Frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. 
Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scared to death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scared to death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Noted. Okay. Dan's. I'm glad, I'm glad that story scared you because you know, a a lot of these, I feel like I try to, I try to make the second story, the scarier of the two. To me, there's always one that's a little scarier. So I I feel like the, the first story is a smaller, more like fear appetizer. (laughs) And then the second is the main course. A furitizer. A furitizer. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. A terrorizer. A terrorizer. Terrorizer. I, I like furitizer. Furitizer. Okay. I don't know. Also, I'm, as soon as we said appetizer, my stomach was like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> are you Are you ready for the second story? I mean, I don't think I have a choice. You don't. Right. I'm in here. You're I'm in locked here. in. You're locked in. Great. Time now for the tale of the screaming house of <laughs> Union, Missouri. Ready sounds terrible. Two thousand one. 36-year-old corporate trainer Stephen A. Lachance and his three children were still coping with the terrible uh, emotional event of having Stephen's wife, the mother of his three kids, walk out on the family several years earlier. Mm -hmm. Stephen and his kids had moved back in with his parents in the St. Louis area uh, near Union, Missouri. And then they bounced from apartment to apartment over the next several years, a few months here, a year there, a few more months somewhere else. 
Then in May of 2000, Stephen got a new job opening photography studios. Things are looking up. He started traveling for work, making a little more money. Yay. Yeah, and then in 2001, single dad Stephen, 12-year-old daughter Lydia, 11-year-old son Michael, 10-year-old son Matthew, they used this extra bump in Stephen's pay to get out of apartments and rent a little home in Union, Missouri. Just a little town of around 10,000 uh, people 50 miles south, uh, southwest of St. Louis. Still close enough to Stephen's parents to have them watch the kids when he travels for work. The ad for the rental described this house as perfect for families, a full country kitchen with up-to-date amenities, large living and dining area with original woodwork intact, two bathrooms with mudroom, full basement with fruit cellar attached, large front porch and backyard perfect for children, the right house at the right price for the right family. It sounds too good to be true. Correct. That And just cellar, immediately, not into it. Yeah. Fucking out. Well, especially this price is unusually low. Uh-huh. The rent was way more than affordable at $600 a month. In what year? This was 2001. Uh, yeah. So that's insane. Been before the 2008 bubble. So that's a, that's a really cheap price. And, and uh, the bubble crash of 2008. So yeah, really cheap price. Steven immediately sets up a tour of the place, brings his kids. Two large oak trees spread and shade the front of an old 1930s two-story house. The house was white with a large front porch. I'll show you pictures later of this house. Two no, upstairs windows peek out of the foliage, jut out onto the roof as dormers. The house looked freshly painted, well taken care of. Set of concrete steps led up to a walkway that ended at the wooden stairs of the porch. Large back and front yards for the kids to play in. All probably on a street all by itself. Uh, no, there's others. it's in a neighborhood. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. In a neighborhood. The whole family was excited the possibility this could be their new home. Stephen applied to rent the house, and the landlord let Stephen know he would get a hold of him as soon as uh, you know he had made his decision. There was other applicants. So that night, after checking out this house, the LeChance family, they go back to the apartment they were living in. They go to bed, dreaming about what life might be like in this new union house. Unfortunately, that was not all they would dream about the night after seeing this house for the first time. Strange nightmares hit the LeChance family the evening after they visit the house. Stephen wakes up in the middle of the night to the sound of his 10-year-old son, Matthew, screaming. Matthew then ran to his dad's room yelling, Daddy, 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 he was in my room. He was in my room. Oh, no, they brought something back with them. Matthew tells his father that he woke up and saw a dark man standing in the corner of his bedroom watching him. No. Stephen convinces his young son that it's just his imagination. And after getting Matthew to fall back asleep, he goes back to bed only to jump back into his own nightmare. <laughs> Stephen said it was one of those nightmares where you think you're awake, but you are not. In his dream, he hears a raspy voice call out from the darkness of his bedroom. Look at me. No. See me. Oh my god. The voice says next. Oh my god. He opens his eyes. He sees nothing. Is he daydreaming? Is he dreaming? Is he awake? Is he asleep? He raises himself up on his elbow and asks, Who's there? When there's no response, he convinces himself this was just, he was hearing things. He lays back down to bed and then he immediately feels something on the bed. No. He feels something start to climb up towards his face. No. He feels pressure on his chest. Like someone is leaning on him, pushing him down onto the bed, holding him down. Sleep paralysis. The next morning, he would convince himself it must have just been sleep paralysis. He couldn't move. It was so dark, he couldn't see anything. The weight came up, settled on his chest. The raspy voice returns and whispers, You know you want to look at me. Oh my God. No, I don't. Stephen suddenly can smell the thing's foul breath. Ew. He couldn't move, couldn't make a sound. The dark figure continues... Look at me, for I am glorious. 
Oh my God. When Stephen manages to whisper, please, God, the entity responds, God isn't here, Stephen. <gasps> God doesn't exist. And then the weight of the thing on top of him intensifies as it commands, look at me. Stephen opens his eyes, can barely see the whites of something's eyes no. in the darkness. Still can't move. He watches white ghostly hands come up before his face, wrap around his neck. God isn't here. It's just me, says the spirit as he sees its face. Oh, my God. Which then he would describe as the face he had seen in countless illustrations of Jesus Christ if Christ himself had been possessed by a demon. So this Jesus-looking depiction, but demonic. And then right before Steve loses consciousness in a dream, he wakes up. His heart is pounding, but it's over. Just a dream. And then he lies awake the rest of the night. And then life is okay again for the following week. <sighs> a week after the showing, the home's owner, Mr. Winters, lets the Lachance family know that the house was theirs if they still want it. Stephen accepts immediately. The family is overjoyed to have this extra room at a great price. A few days later, Stephen's parents help their son and grandchildren move into the Union house. Less than three weeks later, they would be helping them move back out. Three weeks. Yeah, less than. The Lachance family would wind up spending less than two full weeks, uh, you know, total days inside this new home. Smarter than the Amityville whorehouse people. Maybe. The first day was easy. Exhausted after a long day of moving, no one noticed anything out of the ordinary. No one had any strange dreams. Second day, Stephen noticed that each of the bedroom doors had an old-fashioned hook and eyelash lock. But these locks were not located where they should be inside the doors. Right? To, On the to, outside? Right. Uh -oh. Usually those locks are inside the doors to keep you from getting in, of course. These locks are outside of the rooms, in the hallway, to as keep if to you keep from getting out. To of keep the room. something in the room from getting out. Fuck. In the afternoon on day two, Stephen's I hope he took them off. Uh, it doesn't say if he took him off or not, actually. Oh, Stephen. Uh, in the afternoon on day two, Stephen's daughter, Lydia, decides that a large picture of two angels should be hung in the living room. Stephen hammers a nail in the wall, straightens the picture out a bit, turns to walk away, and then hears the picture crash to the floor behind him. Picks it up, examines it. Framing the hanger on the back seem okay, so he rehangs the picture, only to hear it crash again Oh dear! when he turns to walk away. A third time, after hanging it, when Stephen turns and begins to walk away, he feels a rush of cold air. Something brushes the back of his ankles. And then the picture falls once more. He decides to try and hang it a final time. This time it stays on the wall. Short time after the mysteriously crashing picture, Stephen's daughter Lydia notices that none of the neighbors seem interested in walking anywhere near the new home. Uh-oh. Stephen would later notice the same thing. He would notice that neighbors would cross the street to avoid walking on the sidewalk in front of this house. They know something. The Lachance family goes to bed with no further strange occurrences, but then early the following morning, Lydia comes downstairs to the living room where Stephen and her brothers were sleeping since the beds hadn't been set up yet. When Stephen wakes up, he asks Lydia why she'd left her room in the middle of the night, and she said, my closet door kept opening up, and it sounded like little boxes were moving around in the other room. I got a little scared, so I came down here. Stephen and Lydia chalked it all up to an overactive imagination, the anxiety that comes with moving. And if nothing else would have happened, they would have forgot about the whole thing. But of course, a lot more happened. The third day in the home was a Sunday. After Stephen's parents took his kids to church and brought them back, the family worked on unpacking and fixing up the yard. At one point, Stephen sent his boys, Matthew and Michael, into the basement to grab a garden hose to bring it out into the yard. A few minutes later, Michael comes back up out of the basement alone. 
Stephen asked where Matthew was, and right after Michael said he should be right behind me, everyone heard Matthew scream. Oh no! Stephen bolted inside the house and found Matthew in the kitchen, visibly shaking, pointing at the basement door. When Stephen asked what he was pointing at, Matthew whispered, a monster. Oh. And then he said, there's a monster in the basement. Your basements are bad. Lydia and Michael start laughing at their little brother. Oh. Stephen sent them both outside, told Matthew to go downstairs, look for himself, check it all out, make sure it wasn't down there. Matthew begged his father not to go inside the basement. Stephen went anyways. He thoroughly searched the basement, found absolutely nothing. Nothing. And then he gave Matthew another, it's just your imagination talk. Matthew eventually calmed down and the family enjoyed the rest of the afternoon free from any unexplained occurrences. The Lachances worked in the yard. They ran out, grabbed some dinner, came back home, and Stephen let the kids pick a movie to watch before going to bed. And then Matthew, after brushing his teeth in the bathroom, wandered out visibly shaken again. When Stephen asked him what was wrong, he started to cry. He told his dad he'd seen the monster again. This time he said it was on the stairs outside of the bathroom. He said it rushed down the stairs after him, and when Stephen asked him to describe it, he said it looked like a clown. No! A monster clown. Yeah, that's what he said. Lydia and Michael again laughed at their scared little brother, thinking it's just his crazy little kid imagination. Stephen was eventually able to calm down Matthew again with more overactive imagination talk, and then no one saw any more monsters until late that night when Stephen woke up in his new bedroom. Stephen woke up startled and immediately saw what appeared to be an old man wearing a red flannel shirt standing in the bedroom doorway. The figure was motionless, expressionless, silently staring at Stephen as he slept. Oh, that's so creepy. Stephen closed his eyes, rubbed them. When he opened them back up, the strange old man was gone. Stephen wrote this entire sighting off as his own imagined getting worked up because Matthew had been creeping him out. He laughed it off, or at least tried to, and spent the rest of the night trying to fall back asleep. On the fourth day in their new home, the Lachance kids began to prepare for summer break. It was their last week of school before summer. After school, they stayed with Stephen's parents until six when he was done with work, and then he'd drive them back to the Union house. When they pulled up to their new house this night, all of the lights were on. All of them. The kids swore to Stephen they'd turn them off that morning when they left the house like he'd asked. He assumed they just forgot to do what he had told them. And, you know, at least most of him assumed this. He also claimed later to feel a sense of dread when he walked into the house that day. Part of him thought the kids had turned all of the lights off. So why were they back on now? And then for the first time, Stephen felt something similar to a strong electrical charge when he walked into the house. That's weird. He decided something must be wrong with the home's electrical system and made a mental note to talk to his dad, who was handy with these sort of things about it later. Then... Other than all the lights being on every time the family came home at night and the occasional feeling of a slight charge of electricity, a little bit of dread, nothing happens again until the eighth day. Okay. On the eighth day of Friday, the last day the kids had uh, school before summer break, Stephen thoroughly double-checked all of the lights before he took his kids to school, made absolutely sure that every single light in the house had for certain been turned off. Then that night, yet again, when they come home, every single light is on. Yeah, fuck that. I'm not going in. Stephen runs into the house looking for any sign of intruders. Had someone been crashing during the day when they were away? Some transient local kids didn't appear so. The house was locked when he got home. There was no sign of a break-in and nothing was taken or disturbed. He called the landlord, Mr. Winters, to ask if he'd swung through for any reason. Nope, nothing. Stephen's dad agreed to come over the next morning and check the wiring. Lights don't just churn themselves on. Exactly. Fuck. The next day, Stephen's dad finds nothing unusual when he checks the electrical box in the of basement. Of not. But he does find 
what's known as a butcher's shower in the basement. What the fuck is that? He explained to Stephen that a random shower head that popped out from one of the basement walls was called a butcher's shower because farmers used to use these showers to clean the blood off of themselves after slaughtering some barnyard creature so they wouldn't bring the blood upstairs and into the rest of the house. Logical, but fucking creepy. Yep. And then Stephen's dad grabbed his arm. Oh my God, arm. the guy in the flannel shirt. The butcher dude. Ugh. Oh, you just creeped me out. God dang it, now I have goosebumps. Okay, so then Stephen's dad grabs his arms as they both hear something heavy fall on the floor <gasps> above them while they're in the basement. They feel another strange elect- electrical charge type sensation. They run upstairs, are unable to figure out what had fallen, unable to figure out why they felt a charge of current. Stephen's dad promises to think more about it when he can, uh, or when he, you know, he, he'll think more about it and try to do something later, and then he returns home. On the following morning, a Sunday, the Chance family spends most of the day with Stephen's parents. Stephen's dad, still thinking about the strange electrical sensation he felt the day before, asks Stephen if he thinks the place might be haunted. Yes. The answer is yes. Stephen insists it's just an old house with some sort of electrical problem, and he asks his dad to continue to investigate. And then when Stephen and his kids return home, of course, all the lights lights are on. on. This time, when Stephen walks up towards the front door, he gets a distinct feeling that there was someone standing in an upstairs window watching him. Oh, my God. When he looks directly at where he thought this entity may be. The butcher guy. The butcher guy. Oh, my God. You're creeping me out with all your butcher guy talk. And he doesn't see anything. He just feels that presence. The red flannel shirt, God, dude. Look at my arm. Red flannel oh shirt, God. dude. He's a butcher. He's going to get you. Steven and the kids then have an uneventful dinner, clean up, and get ready to play a family board game. Then the intensity of the haunting that they hadn't yet accepted they were experiencing begins to, shall we say, escalate substantially. Oh, God. When Steven is sitting Things at the dining room table waiting for his kids to agree on what kind of game they could, uh, should play, he sees something. He initially notices just a quick flicker of movement out of the corner of his eye. Something in the doorway that led to the family room. Oh, God. When he looks in that direction, he sees the dark figure of a man backlit by some light from the kitchen. The man w- was solid in form, except his form seemed to be made out of moving, churning, dark gray, black smoke or mist. <gasps> so like the form of a I man. I know what you mean. Like that. <laughs> Stephen looks away, convinced that he was just tired. He's spooked. He's seeing things. When he looks back, he expects the figure to be gone. Nope. It's still there. Is it wearing a red flannel shirt? No. Not only is the man still there, but now this form, it's, it's just all black. No form of, you can't tell, like, no colors. And it's moving towards Stephen and his kids. Slowly at first, but picking up speed. Oh, my God. The kids don't notice. Oh, my God. Stephen's watching it. Suddenly, the dark, strange dark figure moves into the family room, staring at Stephen. Stephen seeming to stare. It doesn't have eyes. The thing's form is a churning mass of blackness. But while Stephen couldn't see the thing's face, he does begin to notice white eyes watching him from within the mist. Oh, my God. The apparition or apparition stands in the center of the room for a few moments, then suddenly melts from sight before anyone else notices. Oh, fuck me. Physically shaking, Stephen tries not to freak out his kids. Tells him, let's go grab some ice cream. <laughs> you know, let's get <laughs> out of the house. Answer. Let's get out of the house. No board game. Maybe we could bring some ice cream to grandma for a treat as well. She would love that. It's going to get him out of there for a while. He walks the whole family out the front door towards the car and then while Stephen locks the front door, he and his kids all hear a loud, tortured, agonized scream pour forth from inside the house. Fuck. It is the voice of a man screaming in pain. It is so loud, it startles some neighborhood dogs who immediately start barking. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Stephen yells at his kids to get in the car. Get the fuck out of there. Runs to the car himself. As they drive away, Matthew yells from the back seat, Daddy, the basement monster is standing in the upstairs window. (gasps) 
When Stephen looks back, sure enough, he sees the black form of a man standing oh in the window watching oh them leave. Oh my God, all the chills. Oh my God, oh my God. I think it's here. Oh my God, no, it's not here. When Stephen makes, so makes it to his parents' house, he told them everything that had been happening and he told his dad that now he did believe the house is haunted. Uh, yeah. They all agree to sleep at Stephen's parents' house that night. Oh my God, did it follow them? No, they figure out oh what God. to do about the haunted house the following morning. Priest. Next morning, Monday, Stephen Lachance, his parents, three kids, all return to the Union House together. This will be Stephen's 11th day in the home. Other than a loud crash upstairs right when they walk in, no one hears or sees anything else. However, they do explore a shed in the backyard they hadn't explored before. Inside the shed, they find boxes. So many creepy things are going to be in there. Boxes are filled with birth and death certificates. They find thousands of pictures, many in photo albums. Oh, my God. Mementos from some old family vacations. Um, these are murder mementos. Stephen calls Mr. Winters, and the landlord says everything in the shed belonged to a previous tenant. Yeah, who he, wore red flannel shirts and was a fucking butcher killer guy. He'd been trying to get this. It's, it was a female tenant. You're going to find out this house has long history. He, he'd been trying to get a hold of this tenant to have her come back and pick everything up for months. Can't get a hold of her. Because she's dead. It just seems she just vanished. Yeah, because she's dead. When Stephen asked the man if anyone else had experienced anything in the house related to a haunting, the landlord told him as far as he knew, only once. Mr. Winters said that there was this one girl who claimed that her dead father would come and visit her at night. Red flannel shirt dude. And that was it. Mr. Winters asked if they'd ever considered having a priest come over, but not currently religious. Stephen was not currently interested in exploring that option. <sighs> Dumbass. Stephen had to travel to Indianapolis the next day for work. His kids would then spend a few nights with his parents and he'd have a few nights to think about what to do. Uh, uh, not in the house. They're going to stay at Grandma and Grandpa's. Right. So no one's in the house for a few okay. days now. <sighs> Breather. Stephen works in Indianapolis all week, returns home that Friday. He decides that maybe they'd all just been letting their imaginations feed off of each other. A little group hysteria. Maybe they should try to give the house one more chance. He decides they should all try and forget about what they'd seen and have a fresh start. The kids reluctantly agree. Yeah, because kids are smart. They know. At first, their plan works. Nothing happens the first night back. Everyone sleeps through the night without incident. No scary clowns, no angry-looking man made of mist and shadows, no screaming, no figures in the windows, no unexplained noises or lights magically turning on or off. The next day, a Saturday, the 13th day, the family would stay in the home. All is quiet again. The Lachance family goes shopping, watches a movie, eats dinner out. They joke around about what they thought they'd seen before, and it seemed like things just might work out. That night... Stephen has a nightmare about a man in the basement covered in blood, washing himself under the butcher's shower. Ugh. The man terrifies him. He can't make out his face, but it's just a dream. And not even one where anything crawls onto his chest. So he just laughs it off when he wakes up the next morning. Other than the strange dream, the only thing else that happens on the Lachance's 12th and final night in the Union House, very odd. The entire family sleeps in until 5 p.m. the next day. Uh, the entire family slept over 18 hours. There was some sort of spell on them. On the 14th day, the 14th day, the Lachance family raced over to Stephen's parents' house to barely make it in time for Sunday dinner with the parents. Yeah. They didn't mention how long they'd slept, and they took a bunch of leftovers back home. That's weird. Then things got real fucking crazy. Why didn't uh, he tell his parents they slept that long? I don't like that. After the family settles in, Michael and Matthew race off to their room, and then Stephen and his daughter Lydia hear something start to rattle. The rattling grows louder. Stephen and Lydia both feel the temperature in the house drop dramatically and instantly. Oh, God. Stephen feels another bolt of electricity shoot through his body accompanied by a horrible stench. 
Suddenly, the screaming starts again. It starts softly, then builds to unbearable decibels. Stephen hears the bedroom door slam shut. He runs to go find his boys. The house immediately begins to feel alive. The sounds of something slamming down to the ground in the basement can be heard all throughout the house. Boom! 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 No the screaming continues. Get out! Get out! The floor shakes beneath Stephen as he makes his way to the boy's bedroom door. Oh he God. can feel something behind him. He knows he does not want to turn around and look at it. Boom! More slamming, more screaming. Run, run, run. The screams of a child now accompany the screams oh of a man. God. Boom! Screams! Boom! Slamming. Oh my God. Steve tries opening the bedroom door, can't budge it, even ah! though he can see that it wasn't locked. No! The screams continue as Stephen throws himself against the door that will not budge again and again. He pounds his body against the bedroom door. He can't move it. Finally, Stephen shouts, God, please, please help me. The door releases, falls open. Then the Lachance family runs back towards the front of the house to get out and get, get out, to the get car. Out, get out. The door closest to the stairs slams open behind them as they run and Stephen feels something start to chase them. No! While the house continues to emanate the sounds of screaming and large, heavy objects crashing, the Lachance family makes it out the front door, down the driveway to the car, and speeds away. From the street and the relative safety of the car, they still hear the house alive with noise. Oh, my God. Stephen drives to the top of the hill just down the street, stops for a moment to look back at the house. Whatever was inside was still searching for them. He and his kids see a black shape moving from room to room to room. Oh, my God. Stephen calls his parents. Josh, his brother, was at his parents' house, and his brother and his parents all come over to meet with them near the house. Stephen decides to leave the kids in the car, head back inside, and try to figure out what the fuck is going what on. What the fuck? Why would you go back inside? Stephen's mother enters the home. She feel, When they come back, she feels the same strange electrical sensation Stephen and his father had felt before. She, too, decides something sinister, something insidious is in this house. She no begs shit. Stephen to not send her grandkids back inside ever again. Stephen agrees. He just wants to gather some of the kids' clothes, some of their things, before heading out to their parents' house no way. where they could work on then getting out of the lease. Stephen starts gathering the children's clothes, hears movement and whispers from above him. Oh my God. Stephen, his dad, and his brother Josh all run up the steps to the source of the sound. It's all coming from the boys' room. Stephen opens the door and there's no one there. There's nothing moving. The room was completely silent, but then he and his father and brother are overcome by a putrid smell that causes them to cover their mouths and the noses. smell of death. Oh, God. Then they hear the voice of Stephen's sister-in-law, Rita, who'd come to the house, uh, you know, a little bit later than the rest of them. She's coming from the living room. Are you guys in here, she asks. Rita tells them Stephen's uh, mother has taken the kids to her house. Stephen's dad starts to say, things seem pretty quiet right now. We heard some movement and whispering from upstairs. And then his voice is cut off by the sound of a young girl screaming. <gasps> Stephen makes it downstairs to Rita. Then the two of them suddenly hear heavy, labored breathing coming from the air in between them. Oh, oh, Something oh, is right oh, between them oh, they cannot see. Oh. That's it for Stephen's father. He tells everyone, get out now. They all make it out to the front porch, and then Stephen, when he goes to lock the door, his brother Josh hears something in the tree above them outside. <laughs> they look up and see a shadowy entity in the oh branches of the tree. Oh my god. Oh it my hops god. down towards them on a lower branch. It moves again. They run towards their cars. Then everyone drives the hell away from the house. Stephen is determined to never spend another night in that house ever again. And he would not spend another night in that house ever again. Oh my god. But this story's not over. Oh, god damn it! Stephen and his kids end up moving into a duplex. Stephen rents a moving truck, returns to clean out all of their stuff. When Stephen and his father return to the union house to box things up, they hear more loud banging noises. Duh! Emanating from various parts of the home. Stephen yells, you've won! 
at the source of the sound before taking the last of his stuff, putting it in the moving van, moving van, and moving on with his life. But the Union House, even though Stephen was done with it, is not done with Stephen. No. Recurring nightmares plague him for the next few years. Years. He continues to dream of a shadowy figures he'd seen in the Union House. Oh my God, it attached to him. The nightmares intensify as time goes on. Dreams of the shadow man watching him sleep at night, watching him from the window, standing at the foot of his bed. Sometimes in the nightmares, the apparition will get close enough for Stephen to see his face. Shut up. White soulless eyes. A smile full of pointed and human teeth, a face of madness. God damn it. Eventually in 2004, three after three years of bad dreams, Stephen decides to revisit the Union House to try to give himself some closure. Get the fuck out of here. He wants to end the nightmares. He ends up making contact with the current tenant, a woman named Helen who'd been living there for a few months with her husband Charlie and teenage daughter. Her grandson and granddaughter also spent a significant amount of time in the house. And? When Stephen tells Helen his story, she explains that her family have been experiencing the same type of poltergeist activity. The screams, the loud thuds, the shadowy apparition. And yet she, she stayed for several months like a moron. She was both relieved and horrified. She thought they'd be going crazy. It, it just came down to economics again. She, money was tight. Sure, of course. It was hard to find a similar house for the same price. Okay. Helen said she'd often hear someone breathing right next to her when she was in the house alone. When they were downstairs, her family would hear footsteps above them. Sometimes they'd hear footsteps coming down the stairs into the bathroom. Oh, my God. And they would investigate. No one was there. Other strange, scary stuff like that happens, like hair being cut off of her granddaughter's doll's heads, something her granddaughter vehemently denied doing herself. Helen also said that she was worried that something in the house had killed a family pet. (gasps) She said, I took my granddaughter upstairs to show her a kitten we just got the other day. She said, it was horrible, Stephen. When I went into the bedroom, I found the cat dead on the floor. Its neck and back had been broken. <gasps> I got my granddaughter out of the room so she couldn't see it, but it was horrible. Was that the boy's room? I, th- I believe so, yeah. Oh my God. Helen went on. I was home alone one night last week. The kids were at my daughter's house spending the night, and Charlie had to work late at the nursing home where he does maintenance. In the middle of the night came a knock on the door, and Charlie's her husband, by the way, came a knock on the door, and it was the police. They told me a suicide call had come from my house. What? I was the only one home, and I sure didn't make it. Oh, my God. Helen told other stories about things that never happened to the LeChance family. The gutters on the house would sometimes catch fire. That's not even a thing that can happen. The transformers in front of the house would blow every few months. Helen heard whispers, saw things move. She was constantly replacing light bulbs. Something had recently also pushed her grandson down the stairs. What? She said, my grandson said something pushed him down the steps. I found him at the bottom of the stairs, pretty beat up and bleeding. Oh my God, poor baby. I'm afraid this house is going to hurt one of us or worse if I don't get help soon. Get out. After talking for nearly, uh, uh, for for several hours, Helen and Steve uh, decide to go to a local library and see what kind of history they could dig up on this house. Oh, God. Eventually, Why would you want to even know? Just get the fuck out. Eventually, they learned that the Union House and the neighborhood around it had more than its fair share of darkness in the past. The home was originally built from a Sears home kit, which oh, is so yeah. interesting to me. Yeah, Sears home kit. Yeah. Uh, through the company's catalog, a kit the railroad had dropped off at its current location in 1936. The land had been the property of an army officer, Captain John T. Crow. And the Union House stood right where Captain Crow's slave quarters had once been located. Another house directly across from the Union House on the on the next street had once been known as the Murder House. No. In 1971, a woman murdered her husband there, then took her own life. 
On another corner near the house was a big gray house where a man had shot himself to death in front of his young son recently, 1999. Oh, wow. A nursing home on top of the hill connected to the land Captain John T. Crow owned had actually been an infirmary during the Civil War. Many had died on the property. After the war, it became the county poorhouse. Many more died again. When people died there, often from tuberculosis or another horrific disease, they would be buried somewhere on the property in unmarked grave. Oh my God, the so whole many area, dead bodies. Yeah, the whole area, including the land underneath the Union House, was essentially one giant unmarked gravesite. Fuck. Also rumored that a tunnel system ran from somewhere on the Crow property to a location at the bottom of the hill. Some speculated that it might have run to some train tracks where slaves had once been shipped in for sale. Poor, uh, people whispered about Crow himself being involved with voodoo. Others claimed he had made a deal with the devil, sold his soul. There were other whispered rumors about a hanging that took place on the Crow estate and numerous Damn. other murders. It seemed that more than a few people that Cook had or that Crow, excuse me, had problems with ended up disappearing forever. Oh man. Then there was a story of an Indian chief who lived on the Crow land before Crow bought it, and it was rumored that Crow had him executed in order to free up the land for him to purchase. And then there's even more wild rumors about Crow. One was that a friend of his provided abortions for local prostitutes. Ugh that his own wife had become pregnant uh, with a slave and that the baby was also aborted shortly before the mother was due to deliver, so a very late term, very gruesome Uh. abortion. Not knowing what to do with the new backstory and continued paranormal activity and continued nightmares, Helen and Stephen decided to go on a ghost tour of a former brewery and mansion in St. Louis that was supposedly haunted. How is this turning into like a weird bonding experience? What the fuck are these two doing? No, when it's over, they tell the tour guide about the Union House. Tour guide's also the owner of this haunted home, a woman named Betty, who agrees to come check out the Union House. This is someone oh who's experienced in, this, in these enough, matters. Enough, enough. Get the fuck out for good. Oh, it's going to get worse. Betty and her friend Lee. <gasps> what is wrong with people? They bring all kinds of ghostbustery type gear like electromagnetic field, you know, EMF readers. Right away, Betty meets the shadow man, who, according to Stephen, whooshed across the room in front of them. Betty later said she felt the apparition communicate with her, told her that the house was his and that he did not like having company. Clearly. She also said there was some sort of vortex in the basement, saying there's a vortex in the basement where spirits can freely come and go. Sometimes something very bad can come through these vortices. It's possible that something of this nature may have already come through. It's a very powerful opening. And then, unfortunately, Betty refuses to come back. Uh, Won't help Helen or her family any further. Unfortunately, no, Betty's a fucking genius. (laughs) Just she stays out. Yeah, she only told them, yeah, that they needed to get out as soon as possible. But after having a hard time finding a comparably sized home in the area they could afford, Helen and her family decide to stay. And maybe Helen. Maybe the presence is acting on Helen in some way, convincing her to stay. It doesn't want her to leave. Helen turns to an additional very uh, or turns to additional various paranormal investigators. Each group would come over, investigate the house, and then tell her what she already knew. That it was haunted, that she should leave, but they couldn't make anything stop. All they did was give Helen more scary possibilities to think about. One supposed psychic told Helen that a couple named Mary and John had lived and died in the house, and they didn't want anyone living there but themselves. Another told her about a man named Frank who had killed a man named Jack in the home because Jack had tried to rob Frank. Another psychic told Helen about Shirley, a woman who had tried to give herself an abortion in the 70s in that house. (sighs) It was supposedly Shirley's baby that Helen's had once seen hanging in a tree in front of the home. Another story involved a slave named Mac who had tried to kill his master and his wife. Mac was then allegedly hanged in the tree outside the front door of the Union House. Cool, next to the baby. Mm-hmm. More scary possibilities, no solutions. 
Eventually obsessed with helping Helen and her family and maybe getting a little revenge on whatever monsters lived in the Union House, Stephen himself decided to study demonology. <laughs> Why is this turning into like a bigger thing? Just get out and go well, on he's with been your haunted after life. He's been haunted after he leaves, so he's looking he, for he, some he kind of closure. To, like, he needs to be prayed over some shit. His studies bring him into contact with various ghost hunters and priests. Duh. A priest is always the answer in a haunting. Cleanings are now attempted. The dark, shadowy man is seen and confronted, but doesn't leave. Nothing's working. Things are only getting worse. Oh. Helen's granddaughter is now beginning to see the same clown Stephen's son Matthew had oh, once seen. That clown gets me. No one could seem to rid the home of spirits. Then a few months later, something in the house begins to infest Helen herself. What? She tells Stephen that a dark presence, the dark presence that had once sat on Stephen's chest, also pressed her onto the bed one night, and then she claims it raped her. What? Helen's mind is beginning to unravel now. She starts having thoughts about killing her husband, Charlie. Oh, no. She tells Stephen she'd suddenly have thought, uh, had thoughts about killing her daughter as well. Get the fuck out. Then she accuses Charlie of cheating on her, shows up at his work, tries to stab him when he visits her on his lunch break. Oh, my he God. He leaves. Charlie moves out. Of Helen, course he does. Helen is placed in a psychiatric ward and evaluated. Then shortly after being released, Ugh. on Halloween night in 2005, <gasps> Helen shows up at Stephen's home with a gun, oh demanding God. to be let inside, yelling things like, Stephen, let me in, you fucking cunt-ass motherfucker. Jesus, Helen. Stephen and Helen's daughter call the priests. They attempt an exorcism. Yeah. They also get her to agree to meet with a psychiatrist. More importantly, Helen, Helen and her family finally move out of the Union House. I mean, how long has it been? A, a year? Two years? I mean, it's been a long fucking time, Helen. After a few months of meeting with her therapist and the priest, Helen admits she'd been blacking out and losing track of time, hours at first, then eventually full days, for almost a year before Halloween. Oh my God. She then remembers coming to Stephen's house with the intention of killing him and his family. Jesus. She said the shadow man made her. The shadow man at the Union House didn't appreciate oh my God. Oh my Stephen God. continuing to fuck with him. Once removed from the home, Helen slowly and surely oh recovers. God. Stephen's nightmares also go away, but he wonders who is being haunted in that home today. According to Stephen, after Helen moved out in late 2005, he found the following classified ad. Three-bedroom no. house for rent in Union. Full in-town living. Near most schools in the city park. Perfect for families. Please contact Mr. Winters. Are the new people hearing children screams, feeling electrical charges? Are they being pinned down to their beds and infected with some sort of evil that science can't explain? Is the dark man watching them? And will anything now be watching you after hearing this story? Oh, it's here. It is fucking here. I was getting chills like it just didn't even make sense. Yeah. Why was I getting so fucking cold? Why are they always cold? Also, oh. Mr. Winters, I feel like is a conduit. For the spirits. Yeah, what's he up to? What is he? He's he, fucking He made nefarious. some kind of deal to, to get people to come there. I don't know. But because if it was me, if, if we owned that home, that was yeah. our rental, we're fucking burning that bitch down. <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, no, we're not going to start over on that land. Are you insane? What do you we're do gonna, with it? Nothing. We're going to burn it down and then just sell the land and somebody else's problem. Lots of priests, that's, that's, like like all the priests. Maybe the Pope will come. I want you to see a picture Fuck. of this house. So here's here's the picture of the house in the daylight. Okay, fine. Normal looking house. Here's a uh, a picture of the house at night. Okay, again, like can you imagine seeing things pop up? In I know. Those I already windows? feel like I see it. Oh my so god! And then look in the upstairs. Up. Left. I know. I know. I'm watching. Top left with shadowy apparition. Now check out this picture. 
This has nothing to do with the story, but I just want this to haunt you. Oh my God, why would you do that? Look at that face. And I'm not fucking looking. What if you see that face in the mirror? Look at it one and more time. I know! <laughs> I will not look at it again. It's terrifying. Is it gone? Do not lie to me. It's not gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Okay. <laughs> it's back. Oh my God. I hope that one day I blow out your fucking eardrums. <laughs> God damn it. Okay, would you have lasted that long in that house? No, I would have been with Steven. Like, kind of like that, in and out, in and out, and then, like, get the fuck out of here. Helen, I mean, I get it, like, the financial troubles, but my Well, that's the thing. That's the thing on a lot of these houses where I I, I do feel like, I mean, I'm pretty stubborn, and and I'm pretty financially, like, frugal, and... Yeah, if, if like, you know, you, you get the expense, you put the deposit, you move in, and if money's tight, there would definitely be part of me that's like, no, fuck you guys. Get out of here. This is my house now. Uh, yeah, but they weren't going anywhere, and it just kept getting worse. Oh, yeah. When the whole family, Did, you know what creeped me out the most? Back. Oh, my God, it still creeps me out. The, the, the point that would have been done for me, for sure, is when they heard, they hear the screams, they're driving away, and then they see the shadowy figure bouncing across like like it's moving around the house as if it's looking for right. them. That that freaked me the fuck out. <sighs> right. No, thank you. So I have to tell you something about our house. Shut up! No! <laughs> I'm being serious. This is where we live! I know. But you, like I have said to you before, okay, so like our house, split level, right? So our room is down and the kids' bedrooms are up. Are you just being a dick? No, I'm not being a dick. I have said to you before, like, oh my God, what's that sound? And you're always like, Pff. And I swear to God that I'll hear... Shut up. I'm not kidding. Not all the time. Not often, but I'm always like, okay, what is that? Is that like the the furnace turning on? Nope, the furnace is down here. Like, it's just like, that's it. And then it goes away. And I'm always like, okay, where are the dogs? The dogs are always in our room. I like... Uh, when when the kid, I generally hear it more when the kids are at the house, right? Because they're like back and forth between our house and their mom and stepdad's house. But I hear it and I always think that it's one of them getting out of bed. So then I like, wait... And then I don't hear anything. I don't hear them going to the bathroom. I don't like, I'm like, is it them rolling around in their bed? Like, Well, what the guy is who it? lived in our house before died in the house. He did not. That's what I thought happened. No. He had a heart attack in the house. He had a heart attack but did not die in the house. How do you know that? Because that's what our realtor told us. And our realtor oh. was our friend. So I have a hard time believing that Brooke would lie to us. All right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there is a website, diedinhouse.com. We can look. Right, right. We'll, we'll look later and we'll uh, tell I, our our listeners. I thank week. God haven't had any weird, creepy experiences in our house. I freak myself about the basement. The basement weirds me out, but that's I think it's my imagination. I just don't like I just don't like how shadowy it is. But uh, when when I was researching oh, yeah, the Lachance story, I, I was down in Los Angeles. I was staying in a hotel in Koreatown. I was down there uh, for a couple days when I initially researched that story. Yeah, and full disclosure. I did take a weed gummy. <laughs> <laughs> I took an indica gummy. Uh, so yeah, so I was a little bit high. Yeah. I was g- getting ready to go to it. <laughs> but this is the only time this has happened to me when I'm high. And, and yes, maybe just imagination. But I'm laying in the bed. This freaked me. Oh my God. I'm laying in the bed. I think I hear the door to my hotel room open. No way. Yes. I hear the shut. I hear footsteps walking <gasps> down into the room. No one else, you know, you're not with me. No one else is supposed to be there. And then this is like midnight, one in the morning kind of time. And then I feel something at like the foot of my bed. I open my eyes. I'm so scared. And I swear to God, maybe it was the weed, 
but I could see a shadowy fucking humanoid figure. Are you fucking no, kidding me? No, I'm not me? fucking kidding. And it scared the shit out of me. Well, yeah. Did you bring it home with you? I don't think Have so. Have you seen it in the I've house? never seen it again. I've never seen it again. It was just that one time. Okay, okay. No, and, and, I, and I'm hoping, and, and I hope what happened was that it was the next room over, somebody came into that room, walked into their room, and then my mind was playing tricks on me. And like you but just like heard the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I, that's what I tell myself happened. Well, here's but a, it's creepy. We're going to LA soon yeah. for work, so I wonder if we should stay at that hotel. No. <laughs> Actually, it was a decent hotel other than that. Other than it's probably haunted. <laughs> if that happens to me again... That was, oh my God. If we stay in the same place, if we stayed, then we're, then we're getting, we're packing our shit and we're leaving in the middle of the night. I think we should stay there. Okay. All yeah, right? maybe, maybe nothing will happen. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe I'll just go there and then it'll be all good. But I'm, go- I'm going before you. So I don't want to have to spend a night alone in that hotel. <laughs> so, <laughs> this might be a multi hotel situation. <laughs> this, this stuff's already, already creeping us out. Oh my God. Uh, That's fucking crazy. You did not tell me that. I thought I did. I don't think so. I mean, I, I remember you telling me like, oh, I think I freaked myself out, but you didn't say anything about the humanoid. I made, I made notes in the notes and I forgot about it until I was prepping, prepping these tales for today. Jesus. I like, I'm having fun with this. I mean, it scares me, but that, but I, but you know what? I, I, that's what we're doing. I, I kind of like getting, I mean, that's oh, why I like yeah. a scary movie. Yeah. you like adrenaline gets going. I'm telling you though, I do think something's up with our house. Don't I don't want to think that. I'm going to not think that because just because I, I don't enjoy thinking that If anybody that on any wants level. to send us some sage to burn. In our house. And actually, and, and as far as sending this stuff, you know, I mean, we're just obviously the second episode. We're having a lot of fun with this. We want to make it better and better. We want to keep doing this for a long time. So so email us, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Yay. You can let us know which stories scared you, you know, which stories didn't. You know, <laughs> Sorry, what- I'm laughing because when I smile, the shadow is kind of funny and it looks like I'm missing a tooth. Look. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it does look like you missed a tooth. But you can let us know like what type of stories scared you, maybe what type didn't, what kind you want to hear more of. You know, just whatever uh, helpful feedback you want to give. Yeah, don't be a dick. Well, we just want to, we'll just but... delete those emails. <laughs> but but uh, you, you can subscribe, uh, you know, to, please subscribe, please rate and review, especially yeah, iTunes important. everywhere you can. Yeah, yeah. You can find us in the, uh, you know, society and culture section of the iTunes charts. You can follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow the podcast at, at Scared to Death Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. That's it. For right now, for as far as social media, please. Yeah, I was going to say something else before you oh, cut sorry. me off. Oh, sorry. Rude. Okay, I apologize. Husband-wife situation. You know what I mean? Yep. They're always yep. trying to get you to shut up. Uh, and then you can follow me at Queen of the Suck on Instagram. And mm-hmm. you can find Dan at... Dan Cummins Comedy. Oh, oh sorry. I thought I was going to say that. <laughs> I don't... Okay. You can find Dan at... I like to talk over people. Ooh. Ooh, I, I like to talk over people. <laughs> Dot, shut the fuck up. How about that? How about I turn around that way? Too aggressive? There's a ghost in our house. Nah, it's I'm coming gonna, I'm not going to think about that. It's only going to be when you... And you can... Uh, and please, uh, you know... Sometimes so, it's there when I'm by myself. Good. I hope I, it's only there when you're by yourself. Maybe it's not attached to you. Maybe you're the one I should be worried about. I, it doesn't... It doesn't scare me, though. It doesn't feel... Negative. Well, I guess that's the thing, too. When you, when you choose to believe in these kind of things, it's not like it, it would have to all be bad. No, 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 no. I mean, and, and again, like our house, just specifically, since that's what we're talking about. The LaChance has, family sound like they had bad ghosts. Right, right, right. <laughs> and our house has really bad. good energy. Like, even when we walked into it, yep, when we were yep. house hunting, yep. we were like, oh, one of the things I liked about great it. energy. Right? Mm-hmm. That was, like, one thing mm-hmm. that we noticed right away. And I'm and, not a weird, like, neither one of us are weird, like, crystally energy. T- you're more that well, way than me. Uh, yeah, I was saying but I, I, felt I am, it, but... But I felt it in the house for sure. Whatever that thing is, I just, like, oh, it just feels good in here. Yeah. 
Like if I wasn't married to you and I was married to somebody else, I would probably have a lot of crystals. But you once told you once told me that you dated somebody who put crystals out and you got weird. Yep, you thought it was weird. So guess guess who doesn't get to have a Himalayan salt lamp? And who doesn't get to put her crystals out? I just don't want to have all the weird crystals talk about like you know I got to have this thing on the on the side of my bed now that's made out of st- stalactite. That's not a real thing, but it's <laughs> made out of <laughs> it's made out of stalagmites. That'd be kind of cool if you could make some of that. But it's made out of like amethyst or whatever, and they're like, oh, this is to ward off evil. But who knows? As I go forward in this podcast, maybe I'll change my mind. I'm, on some I'm, stuff. I think I already want like some sort of amulet type protection i <laughs> so, just feel scared and if you're listening you can also check us out on youtube if you want to see the little scary studio thanks to art collab for making this cool custom mural on the thanks, back scott and uh and thanks to the bad magic production team joe paisley put all this together zach flannery harmony Velicamp, jeffrey montoya made a lot of custom music beds yeah new episodes every tuesday night at midnight bum, pacific bum, time bum, bum. gotta drop them at midnight got to more more tales from the evil scary book <sighs> and, and unless you I'm have something else, scared. Um, yeah, I, I got way more goosebumps than I expected to get today. I am really cold. I feel like we brought something in here. You know what? And I prepped. I went into this room specifically to work on these uh, stories last night, and I I do not understand out of our little officey area where we have several rooms now. Why is this room by far the coldest? It's fucking freezing. Like I know I have the blanket because it gets me like in the right frame of mind, and I like to hide behind it when you're talking. But it's also, genuinely, the coldest room in the entire office area by far. Here. So what's that about? Something in here, probably. Be scared to death. Talk to you next week. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through but has no home here within scared to death. I live by routines, but I especially love my same-day delivery routine with Shipped. And my shopper knows this about me. When Sunday rolls around and I place my weekly stock-up order, Joe sends texts from the aisles. Wilted lettuce? Nah, hard pass. Deal on my favorite sparkling water? Whew, grab two. Fresh flowers just because? Hmm, sounds like a delightful idea. If you love routines that work for you, get Shipped same-day delivery. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at Shipped.com slash high. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 